Hello, and welcome to episode 219 of SMARTS, which as we all know stands for... Smarties Much Adore Runaway Teen Series. Ooh, very good. Thank you. Um, my name is Rediger Q Podcaster, a.k.a. Trevor, and your name is... Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster. Correct. Hi. So we don't have any news this week. Okay. Because of the Christmas doldrums. <sighs> jingle, jingle. Too many doldrums. Hmm. Okay, so let's move straight on to your comic of the week. Okay. What was your comic of the week? I chose... Well, I mean, we're comic of the couple weeks or whatever but i chose everything and anything having to do with superman trounces the clan <laughs> issues one and two and i'm really looking forward to issue number three so we're following the adventures of superman but in his what earliest incarnation um where he doesn't have his full power set he was it's set in the 1940s he's just been debuted um, that environment, that setting, is when we um, are following our characters, and we're following a. Um, the protagonists are um, two kids who are first first generation or second generation. I would say second that generation. the debate rages on. Um, uh, Chinese American kids who are moving from Chinatown to a predominantly white neighborhood, I have to assume, or just the general neighborhood of Metropolis, um, and experiencing the bigger city for and, and uh, for the first time. And also in that setting, they were also dealing with unbelievable racism of the time. And so you see them uh, meeting new people and getting a feel for their new home and their new environment. And each of the members of the family are... Um, uh, acclimating in their own way and at the same time you follow the adventures of the um, people who are giving them trouble and you see the forging of this new Ku Klux Klan um, allegory which has a different name but who cares it's it's exactly what it sounds like um, and they have a cross burned on their lawn like their first time first night in their new house and um, Superman steps in to stop it. And at the same time, you see that Superman is also starting to have memories come back from his own childhood, um, which are starting to worry him because he sees people who look like aliens who are telling him things about himself and encouraging him to use his powers. But he's kind of confused because he doesn't know where these people are coming from and what they're trying to do. And he's accustomed to the way he's always been and now is being um, challenged to discover new parts of himself and so we're following all these different threads of people and it's really interesting and a really warm comic and I have to say the art is really fantastic and I just can't wait for the last issue because it's a really good story so that's why I picked it for my comic of the weeks <laughs> yeah no it's really good it's it's an interesting sort of distillation of Superman in the 40s and 50s everything from the Fleischer cartoons to the radio serials where mm -hmm. he actually faced the clan and where kryptonite was introduced for the first time, fuse, uh, combining it with elements that wouldn't be introduced much later, like his enhanced powers, like his vision abilities and flight and so on like that, mm -hmm. um, combining it all into one storyline, which is kind of like a distillation of the entire golden age across different media. So yeah, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Yep. So I picked for my comic of the week, I picked Batman Last Night on Earth, number three. Nice. <laughs> um, which is the uh, third and final part of this uh, black label mini series by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Their swan song on the character after doing 50 some 
issues in the New 52 and now this. And then Scott Snyder's still writing him on Justice League for a few more issues, but then he's going to be off of that too. And so, you know, he'll be doing other stuff for DC, but he's going to be doing a lot more sort of creator own stuff for a while to recharge his battery. So who knows when he'll get to work on the character again. And this is certainly his last story with the character with Greg Capullo, an artist who he was kind of... Um, kind of thrown together with when the new 52 started didn't really know him very well and in fact they had a lot of like clashes early on creatively until they figured out um you know how to work together and then ultimately now like they they call each other brother like they're really close mm-hmm. um so it's it's sort of a nice story of their the evolution of their working relationship now where it's a it's a it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to do more projects together like greg capullo's next project for dc Almost certainly will be with Scott Snyder. It just won't be Batman anymore. And so this story ties together a lot of stuff that was there in his run from what Batman can symbolize to the idea that Batman has like this contingency plan where every generation, this little pod in the Batcave will spit out a new Bruce Wayne that has all the trauma and the memories of Batman up to the up to his peak, but doesn't have any of the like wear and tear on his body or any of the accumulated mm-hmm. um, stuff that would be weighing him down. Yep. That that he, you know, accumulated later in his career. Um, brings all that together here and, you know, the Court of Owls stuff and a bunch of the anti-life equation, a bunch of other things that were that uh, that were here and there in his run. The, rela- the sort of weird uh, symbiotic relationship he has with the Joker, which was a big part of his run too. Um, and brings it all together here in sort of his his version of Dark Knight Returns or whatever, like his ultimate Batman story, like his version of the last Batman story, like we've talked about, like we talked about last week and we talked about before, like every every writer should have his vision of what the final Batman story is so that he can write to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like when, if you want to really know your character, know how they started, know where they're going, you know, what their ultimate end is, and then all you're doing is just filling in the details in the middle and it sort of seems more more personal to you. And that's that's what he's done here. So I think it was, a you know... Definitely, it's definitely his, it's definitely Snyder and Capullo, like there's crazy high concept stuff. And and it's sort of like a fusion of um, stylistically, like what they did on Batman with what they did with metal, Mm -hmm. sort of crazy, almost, almost surrealistic juxtaposition of like these weird cosmic elements and the supernatural and, and almost, um, almost seems farcical and how Mm -hmm. over the top it can be at times. Like the idea that there's like this, they, they never explain really why, they even explain why Joker's disembodied head is still alive somehow and able to, yeah. like they explain how he got out there in the desert, but why is he able to survive for so long? Like, did they even explain that? Like, there's certain parts of this you just have to take. Tim, Tim put him there. As punishment, but he can't, yeah. he can't, wow, he, how, would he, how would he be able to make an immortal head? Like, that's not in his skill set, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but he put him out there so that, uh, no, I, I, I remember the too. reason, but the, the, there's, things here that don't have an explanation you know like stuff stuff to do with the specter or swamp thing like things just are in this world yeah. because things have gone so bad that the batman doesn't know how they got this way and so we the reader don't really learn how they got this way either and it's kind of more interesting that way because there there are if they you know if snyder ever chose to tell these stories which he probably won't do because like i say this is like his last batman story but there'd be so many interesting stories about the the in-between like how how they how things got this bad you know mm-hmm. and there's even a lot of um, a lot of relevance to the, the story he's telling in Justice League now with the people having to choose justice versus doom, Lex Luthor versus Superman. Yeah. There's a lot of that in here too. Yeah. So you can tell 
as as he always says, you know, he feels like his Batman stuff is and Justice League now are very personal, and you can definitely tell like the issues he was working through in his in his own mind, dealing with his own anxiety and his own depression and so on, like that, like the state the world is in right now. The, the choices the people are making on a grand scale, politically, socially, mm-hmm. you know, ethically, you can see the issues that he's working through as a person and as a father, and that just goes into his work. Mm-hmm. So this, these stories are very personal to him. So, I, I think it was a it was a fun ride. It was a it was a really fitting ending to his run, and I I feel like it really deserves to be this really deserves to be you know looked at as as part of that whole with the fifty or whatever issues they did in the new fifty two and. And the stuff he's doing on Justice League now. And it's a really interesting sort of broad arc for the character. And, you know, mm-hmm. right up there with what Tom King is doing now. Even though I think his stuff is maybe a little bit more to our personal taste. I think that it, it can't be underestimated. Because when you look at Scott Snyder's run in the New 52 on Batman with Greg Capullo. It was one of the, with the Azarello Chang Wonder Woman run. And even that has been largely swept under the rug recently by retcons and so on. Was one of the the bright lights of the New 52. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like you can look at you can look at that and say, well, this is and Jeff Johns, Aquaman, and one or two others. But these were the stories that, even though the New Fifty Two is largely seen today as like a, a failed experiment, there are definitely runs that introduced a lot of like, you know, the the like I said, the Snyder Capullo run gave us the Court of Owls. It gave us this interesting new relationship with the Joker. It gave us all these other things, and and those things are still like they made an animated movie out of one of those things for goodness sakes. And is there? Do we really think there's not going to be the Court of Owls? Isn't going to feature into a live action Batman movie sometime in the next ten or fifteen years? Of course it will, right? Yeah. Like that's right. When you if the next time they launch a successful Batman movie franchise, people are going to be like, okay, what's the shortlist for stories they're they're going to want to adapt? Court of Owls. Under the Red Hood, right? Like these are the ones. Oh, that would make a great movie because they already have made really good movies, except animated, right? So, it's definitely one of the the bright lights of the New Fifty Two. And so, it's funny that you know it's only now, years after the New Fifty Two has ended, and even after Doomsday Clock, which really closed the door on the New Fifty Two in a pretty final way, saying it was it's literally on another Earth now. This is you know this is a really nice capper to all of that. So, I think it deserves some some recognition. I agree. It was really nicely done. So should we move on to your quiz? Ooh, yes. So, so this week is a bit of a grab bag. So it's been a while since we've done one of these. So I'm going to uh, we're going to quiz you about some Google autocomplete suggestions oh, awesome. for some of the topics that we're talking about That's on today's great. show. That's so great. Wonderful. I will read you the, fir- the first part of a sentence. Oh, okay. I should have done something New Year's related. I suppose I didn't really <laughs> think about that. Um, I'll read you the first part of a sentence, and then I will read you four possible autocomplete suggestions that Google gave me, three of which are real and one of which I made up, and you have to tell me which one I made up, okay? Okay. All right, number one. Yeah. Why does the Mandalorian have baby Yoda, wear a cape, keep his helmet on, or wear armor? (laughs) Have a cape. No, wear armor. Oh, good one. Good one. All right. Number two. Uh-huh. Why does Harley Quinn have a bat, go crazy, live on Coney Island, or have an accent? Have an accent. No. Live on Coney Island. Really? Nice. I really feel like the accent thing doesn't require an explanation. Why does anyone which have an wh- accent? Which is why I thought you yeah, made no, it Yeah, no, I understand. That's probably what I would have guessed too. All right. Number three. Why is Star Wars ending? Why is Star Wars so bad now? Why is Star Wars not in order? Or why is Star Wars in the past? In the past. Correct. Yeah. 
that was too highfalutin for the regular Google audience. You don't think Sorry, so? Everybody. I could see someone asking why, like, why is it set a long time ago, right? Because why is it set? There's no reason. Oh, why a long it has time ago be. in a galaxy far away. That's you didn't funny. even see what they were, what I was getting at nope. with that. Okay. No, it was too. Did you too forget far that away. it was? <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot. Okay. Okay. All right. Number four. Mm. Why does Superman die? Why does Superman come back to life? Why does Superman have muscles? Or why does Superman hate Batman? Uh, what was the middle one? The the second one? There, there were four choices. Yeah. There isn't the middle. Okay, haha. Uh, what was the second one you said? Why does Superman die? Why does Superman come back to life? Why does Superman have muscles? Or why does Superman hate Batman? Die. No. Why does Superman come back to life? Oh, that that's what I was going to pick. Dang it. I should have just gone with it. Okay. Why is a weird way of phrasing that question. Why does he die? Because he got beaten to death. Like, there's no why. How would be one thing, right? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weird way to phrase that question. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Number five. Why is Batman a bat? Why is Batman a man? Why is Batman one word? Or why is Batman rich? One word. No, why is Batman a man is the one I made up. Oh. You wouldn't okay. think there'd be that many people a interested bat. in the grammatically why is it one word. It's strange, right? Yeah. And you no. wouldn't you wouldn't say why is Batman a bat either. You'd be like, I mean, I guess if you were just like were just like, ah, oh, just gonna type why in Why do you pick a bat? Yeah. Yeah, like why why well, I mean, nobody phrases their Google questions so precisely is to say why did he choose to adopt the symbology of a bat like no one has ever <laughs> typed that into google right so i could kind of see but it's like ah why is he a bat like what <laughs> i guess but yeah so you got one out of five on that yes i did you're you need a, to go you you have failed the reverse touring test or something i don't i don't really know what that would be i don't know all I'm right a fool like everybody else all right shows mm-hmm. yeah so only a few shows this week so mm-hmm. we got star wars resistance harley quinn and the mandalorian but right. we also, over the past couple of weeks, have watched the third season of Runaway. So we're also going to talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? So Star Wars Resistance, the, this one we watched a week ago. This one's called The Missing Agent. So they, the Kaz and Sonara mm-hmm. and Yeager travel to this planet to find someone who has called In for help from, other, from the call, Resistance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they run afoul of this uh, big sort of um, horned bounty hunter. Yep. Um, Do you know the name of uh, his species? No, I've seen they it before. They said it though. There's like they someone. There's like oh, a I know. Alex jet- from um, Star Wars Explained used the correct name for his. Um, well, species, I'm not surprised, but, but yeah, I don't remember <laughs> what it was. Voiced by Joe Manganiello uh, from True Blood and uh, Deathstroke from the Justice League movie mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, this was a good one, and and uh, it was to be continued. So we'll get the final part this week. It was the most action-packed one. Well, and, and the one where you there felt were other like episodes were... with a lot of action, but this one yeah. felt like the stakes were higher. Yeah. Like people were actually getting really hurt. Really dangerous. Even the yeah. choreography of the fights seemed like it was kicked yeah, up a notch. They really animated. Usually, like, the they hand, focused on when the you animation. You think of the show, you don't really think of like um, really impressive hand-to-hand combat animation. I know, it's but not they really focused on that to too. Yeah. And each person had their own fighting style and they put a lot of work yeah. into the choreography I think this and, is, the, and the geography of every fight. We're a little yeah, past crazy. the midpoint of the season, but I think this is the pivot point of the season where things get a little more serious. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if very soon after that, this they meet up with the main resistance and we're sort of propelled into the latter chunk of the season. Like this really feels yeah. like the, an inflection point for the season. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to see what happens next. Harley Quinn, this one was called Being Harley Quinn. Yeah. 
So in the midst of searching for uh, looking at real estate holdings for a a supervillain lair for her and her gang, she goes into a catatonic state when forced to make the slightest of decisions. Yes. Um, and the rest of the gang travels inside her mind to try to rescue her. And we discovered like this fairly predictable, but still sort mm-hmm. of emotionally satisfying yep. um, secret that she's this delusion that she's had and this memory that she's sort of paved over in her own mind um, that leads to her present indecision. And mm-hmm. we get to see, you know, her as a kid and her crank, her um, her crank, her uh, her crush on Frankie, Frankie Mun- yeah. Muniz, 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 Muniz is how it's typically Doesn't, pronounced. Seems like that's not how that would be pronounced no, to look at not. it. No, it's Is it sort of like Brett, Brett, it would be Brett Fave, Favor? Yeah, Favor. Favre or however. The, like, Favre. It's kind of like it's a it's bastardization Favre. of his name, but he yeah. sort of allows it. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, no. It seems like the kind of thing that But that's exactly that. right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was great fun, and this, they got him to voice the character too, as yes, himself. Was, well, that felt great. that felt too specific to not be the actual actor. <laughs> no. like when, um, like when, um, thinking John C. Riley is that which one is the guy from Scrubs and which is the guy from the Will Ferrell movies and the Guardians of the Galaxy? Is Will it? Ferrell Moon is uh, John C. Riley's. That's John C. Riley. Yeah. Who am I thinking of? Who is who is Doctor Cox on Scrubs? Oh, oh. Oh, God. Um, it's a similar name. I always get the two names confused. At any rate, um, it's like when they had John C. Riley show up in the final episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold, like as himself, basically. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, that's got to be him because you <laughs> wouldn't do that unless it was unless you got the voice, unless Hilarious. they got the actual actor. Right. Yeah, it was fun. And next week is apparently a Commissioner Gordon-heavy episode, so that should be a lot of fun, too. It's so good. Um, so what, what do you want to talk about first, Runaways or The Mandalorian? Which which do you think is... Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about Mandal. Uh, let's talk about Mandalorian, Mandalorian last. Last, uh, okay. Yeah. So Runaways. This is the third and final season of Runaways. Yeah, um, we basically binged a good chunk of it. I I enjoyed it's it great. a lot. I feel I feel like there's some, something going on behind the scenes though, because like you like you mentioned to me before, the whole alien, um, you know Jonah and mm-hmm. his alien family thing wrapped up only four or five episodes into the season after being the main plot of the first yeah. two seasons. And they really dragged out particular parts of it. Yeah, and then it, and tacked, then it just tacked off abruptly, into this other direction yeah. with Morgan Le Fay and they never really came back to it. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that they were maybe planning, they maybe had like a four season Mm-hmm. plan in mind and when they learned this was going to be their last season they tried to cram the Morgan Le Fay stuff into the same season right as right. the as the Jonah stuff yeah because then characters like um what was her name Zarin or what was her name Zavin Zavin she yeah. disappears like I mean we know where she goes but right. she leaves the show four or five episodes in and after just being introduced at the end of last season yeah. seems like it's going to be a new permanent character and we right. never see her again she's barely even referred to right so it really feels like they they knew they were they knew they had only one more season so they, but they really wanted to do this Morgan the Face storyline so they crammed it in there and then especially the last episode really feels like something they did because they didn't want to end it on the note of Gert dying so in the very next episode, it's undone, which completely undercuts the tragedy and drama of the previous episode, but it's kind of necessary to give the show, I guess, the happy ending that they wanted it to have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that last episode is definitely not like they, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have done those two episodes back to back unless they knew the show was ending. There's no way. Like you would have ended season three on Gert's death. Mm-hmm. And then you would have filled in the next couple of years of them getting older and you know, more at, at odds with each other until finally they decide to go back and fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you wouldn't have it happen immediately in the very next episode. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous, dramatically speaking, that they did it that way. But I guess that's just the note they wanted to end it on. Right. You know? Yeah. Kind of like, 
I don't know, it's a bad example, but kind of like how Enterprise yeah. was cut short after just four seasons, mm-hmm. and so they had the final episode take place years later, so you could at least see where the characters were going. Right. What's the other? There's another example where they did that, where they jumped forward so you could sort of see what they would have done with the characters and what the, how the characters would have grown over the next few years if they'd gotten all the seasons they wanted to get. I, I can't recall right now what I'm, what I'm thinking of, but there's, Batman. Def- there's definitely other <laughs> examples of it. Gotham? Yeah, yeah, but but that show was never intended to run long enough to have True. David Masuz actually suit up as Batman. You know, yeah, yeah. But it is it is similar to that, yeah. But it, it definitely seems like they they kind of got sort of kneecapped by the the cancellation when oh, they had else? four or five seasons. In yeah, mind. hang on. Uh, what else just recently did it was the um, Abby and oh, uh, Swamp Thing. Yeah, I mean that they, that they end, had an episode that ending to... was that ending was weird, but they didn't do an episode that jumped forward ten years. It's like, oh, here's all the stories that we would have told that are only now going to be obliquely referred to, right? In the in the past, you know, so yeah. it is it is a little different. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that weird structural decisions aside, um, it was a very enjoyable season. You know, I, th- I think that what I think that what makes the show it, it, the writing has always been consistently good, but I think it's the, it's a such a likable cast Mm -hmm. really good young actors and the parents were impeccably cast too yep um and part of the fun of this season was seeing the parents not really redeemed like some of them actually pay like the ultimate price for their sins um but the rest of them are kind of like they've been making the parents after presenting them in the very first episode as like the devil basically like these weird satanic robe wearing cultist Mm -hmm. murderers yeah they've gradually been making them more and more sympathetic by not not excusing or justifying what they did, but explaining more or and more. washing away what they yeah, did. Yeah, but explaining yeah. more and more their reasons for doing it and mm-hmm. how conflicted they were to greater or lesser And how degrees. they got roped into it right. in the first place. And how place. they're trying to and make up for it. They, and they gave them a human element. Yeah, to, so, to that sh- now, yeah. so that now when they have the parents, those that are still around, team up with the kids to fight this you know, ultimate It's a little menace. more earned. It's, it's more earned. So mm-hmm. I think that at least I'm glad they got that far. Um, yeah, it's too bad that we're probably not going to see any of these characters again. They did have some fun references in the final episode that someone who's only peripherally aware of some of the runaway stuff after this, um, they did have some references in there to other characters that they probably were planning on introducing later. Like the, there's a character named uh, Victor Mancha. Hmm. Um, there's a reference to them here. Like when, when Chase has got a scar, he's like, oh, you know, I don't trust anyone named Victor. And oh, like, you funny. mean your father? He's like, no, different Victor. That's a Victor Mancha who's like vi- like a, an android that Vision created in the comics, like Vision's son, basically, and he becomes one of the runaways. I th- or he was created by Ultron who created Vision. Anyway, he's like related to Vision. He's like a teenage android okay. in the mold of Vision. Okay. And he becomes one of the runaways too. So they, they have like references, like stu- stuff like right. that in there to other characters they probably would have introduced later. Um, in the comics, Gert does die, and I think they've brought her back in the comics because nobody stays dead forever in the comics. But it wasn't like immediately like the show was. Like she was dead for a long time. When she was killed, it was intended to be permanent. Oh. And then it was years, if ever. I, I'm not even sure they brought her back, but they probably eventually did. But it was mm-hmm. years later. Like that was as permanent a death as like as right. anything in comics. Yeah, it yeah. was intended to be permanent. Um, but here, I guess they thought that. And so that's why I think that's why they did it here because that was such a memorable moment in the comics when you know one of the most beloved members of the team Mm -hmm. perhaps the most sympathetic member of the team um maybe the most relatable one you know dies and then you know the team the rest of them has to deal with that but here i think that they felt that they probably didn't it would have been interesting to go out on that note Mm -hmm. but and just 
not have the time travel element here, but rather just jump forward and see where all these characters are and how they never really recovered from that. But I could see how they didn't want to. They wanted to end it on all six of them walking off, you know, arm in arm. Arm in arm, yeah. And there's like, there's a hint that maybe Alex might still go down that dark path or whatever. But it's not even displayed very clearly. I mean, if we could have gotten an answer as to he throws the paper away, he shrugs it off, or he, or the alternative, of course, he uh, raises an eyebrow and puts it in his pocket. It doesn't really matter what he does with it. Like someone, someone that smart, it's like, I think you're supposed to believe that. Like maybe it just like planted a seed in his mind. Like right. He's going to remember when he meets someone named Victor later on. He's going to remember that that it says you know like don't trust Victor and you know kill Nico or whatever it said on there. You mm-hmm. know like he's going to remember. He's not going to forget that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's weird. Especially since they know that there was presumably time travel going on because a bunch of them saw older versions of themselves. They right. saw the older Chase die yeah. right there in front of them. Mm-hmm. They know what it hap- what happened even if they can't fully explain it. So he knows that there's some you know, truth to this mm-hmm. and at least in a potential future. So that's, you know, and they wanted to have an, they didn't want to have like a perfect happy Disney ending. They want to have a little bit of element of foreboding in there. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I think it was, but kind of like the swamp thing thing, like it really, it kind of felt like it was rushed in the end. But Yeah, but if they knew they weren't going to get renewed and this really felt that way because they were tying up all their loose ends and giving us a really nice, uh, adventure one last hurrah and not only that but they did the whole classic uh let's take a tour of who we were you know this is your lifestyle well so yeah they it's went like through, it's all yeah, good things all it's tru- a million yeah. other things it's like let's go back to exactly. see these characters when we first met them and, right and, and next gen it kind of worked better because it had been a better part of a decade like right. oh yeah i remember so when o'brien knew- was on the bridge and deanna was wearing a skirt and so you, when they were filming this episode they had the certainty that this is exactly like this is their last hurrah episode couldn't they have given us that moment of Alex deciding decidedly to be a good person and just no, be like, because, okay, so this is clearly a con no, from my you evil you don't want, doppelganger. It's, a, it's the Battlestar Galactica thing. Like you don't want to answer all the questions and, and tie everything up in a neat little bow. You want to leave some things for, for people to think I about. I think you're right because that's a subjective desire. And for me, for my part, I would have absolutely opted for <laughs> yeah. the, the I, happier version. I don't mind endings where everything's all tied up perfectly, but I also, and there's, a, there's people out there, especially on the internet, that want like everything to be explained and everything to be resolved that's me because it just drives them crazy but i don't i don't mind when stories end and they leave some money i don't mind either but this one didn't need to be that way the the worst thing for me in this particular instance is that it didn't really get anything it didn't tell us oh a seed has been planted it didn't tell us oh he dismissed it outright it didn't tell us anything it did seem a little quick but i think that i think that it would have been unbelievable if he'd like how do you how do you show that in that moment that he's like oh i'm going to decide to be good forever right. that would have seemed false because of everything he's been through this season similarly if he said oh i'm going to take this to heart and be evil that also would have rang false so you're kind of damned if you do damned you know like there's not nothing they could have done in that moment to believably convey that he was making a permanent choice to be good or evil you know so the most you can do is just sort of leave it up in the air i know but he didn't have any reaction to it like the the reaction shot he would just have maybe didn't preferred exist. if he seemed like a little bit more troubled by it either trouble and he kind give, of give me trouble he give like me, walks away but then, he, but then he looks back for a second that with like a furrowed brow so, or so yeah the maybe cut they could was have weird. shot it a little differently but right. i think they wanted to end it on that happy note of all of them walking away as the i agree and out. i think that's a w- great way to go <laughs> yeah anyway but yeah it's i mean it's too bad it was a really good show um but it's you know one more victim like I feel mm-hmm. like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was really the only show under Marvel Television to run its full course. Right. One could argue that it ran its course a couple of years ago and they've just <laughs> been doing victory laps. That's funny. Um, but, I mean, the, the the Netflix stuff got cut down. This got cut down. Um, yep. Other bunch of other shows didn't even get off the ground because I of the, the restructuring. So, hopefully, you know, what we get under Kevin Feige and the Marvel Studios produced TV shows on Disney Plus and whatever, wherever else they decide to deploy them will be 
um, will be just as good, if not better. I mean, yep. it certainly looks like they're going to be very good based on the, the pedigree behind them, both in front of the camera and behind. But it's too bad that shows like this had to go away. I can only uncloak and dagger, you know, a bunch yep. of other examples. Um, and their appearance here was interesting. You got you got enough of a taste of them. I mean, that would have landed a lot more if we'd watched that show. Right. But I think you can kind of get a sense of their relationship here. And it's, it was cool to have them pop in for one episode. Right. Um, Agreed. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. I mean, there's always the hope that they could decide to bring these characters, bring these actors playing these characters back in the more solidly canon right. Marvel Studios stuff if they ever yeah. decide to have the runaway show up or whatever. But I think that they have enough characters that they want to use in these other shows, both characters that they're repurposing from the movies like Vision and Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye and new characters they're introducing like Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel. Um that it'll be a long time. I don't want to say they're never going to want to do any more Daredevil stuff because, of course, they they will. Everybody knows Daredevil. He's kind of like a, pretty much a household name at that point. So they're obviously going to want to do Marvel Studios Daredevil stuff at some point, either on TV or in the movies. At that point, they're going to be faced with the choice of whether to bring back Charlie Cox or not. Exactly. Um, I think that there's definitely some goodwill to be earned by doing stuff like that, like when they bring Matt Ryan onto Legends I, of Tomorrow's I was about Constantine. To say, I was about to say. Or, you know, a bunch of other examples. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, the fans like it when you do that, but I think that there's also, you know, like they when they when when Marvel Studios got the rights to use Spider-Man in the movies, they didn't yeah. bring over Andrew Garfield, they cast Tom Holland, right? Exactly. And and you know, people weren't crazy wedded to Andrew Garfield, but I, those movies did have their fans and they probably would have earned some goodwill from the people that already got burned by one Re- reboot yeah, of the Spider-Man reboot. franchise yep. if they'd used the same actor. But once people saw Tom Holland, most of them were won over and it ultimately didn't end up mattering that much. Right. Similarly, if they cast someone awesome as Daredevil and he shows up in the movies, mm-hmm. um, people are going to be like, oh, it's, it's kind of too bad they didn't use Charlie Cox, but this guy's really great too. And then right. after a couple of movies, you forget that Charlie Cox even exists. Right? <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Like, it is. It's... People forget the last Batman when yeah. you're the new Batman. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's just the way it goes. It's just, you know, these characters are going to be played by dozens of people throughout you know tens or hundreds of years and it's just just because you were the first person to play the character doesn't mean right. you're gonna be the only person to ever play the character you know there's there's not even one captain kirk or one spock these days you know and eventually somebody else will be playing captain picard as crazy as that seems you know what i mean like nobody Ooh. is there's been 15 supermans like there's no there's no one person there's it's no just, these space. roles are bigger yeah, than exactly. one actor yeah um so The Mandalorian, this was the, the final chapter of season one. Oh, we know we're getting okay. season two later this year, so yes. we're not going to have to wait like a year and a half or something. Thank goodness. Eight or nine months. Holy moly. Um, this was a great ending. I, my only my only qualm with this one was that it did seem like the, the coolest action sequences and the most high-paced, gripping stuff happened like at the top of the episode. And then yep. the pace got a lot slower for understandable reasons because it became more of like a character study and, and they had like slower, more conversational things they wanted to explore. And then the action sort of spiked at the end with the the fight between the Mandalorian. I guess we do we call him Din now? Din Din is it Din Jaren or Din Jarek? Jaren. Is it Din Jaren? Yeah. I think Jarek is the last name of another character in Star Wars because my Sounds I always familiar, want to say but... that. Um, but it just feels weird. It feels weird not to call him the Mandalorian. I think we'll get used to it. I'm going to call him the Mandalorian just because it, unless somebody tells me Din Djarin. Well, I've been here I before. It, well, the, the episode <laughs> the episode told you that, right? Yeah, of course. But it's like it's like uh, we never thought we would get used to calling Sky Daisy. I never thought I'd get used to calling Kara Zor-El yeah. Kara Zor-El, you know. But after a while, you just – because it was Kara and everything else. And then the Supergirl show decided to pronounce it Kara. Do you remember? Remember we had this conversation when the show started? I do. On the, on the cartoons and everything, it had always been Kara. 
And then the show decided to do Kara, and I said, "Oh, I'm just going to call her Kara." I'm like, but then it took like two weeks for me to start calling her Kara. So you get you get used to these things. Yeah. Um, I'm sure a few episodes into season two, if everybody's calling him Din, we'll just start doing it without even realizing we're doing it. Yeah. Um. So we get, but we got his real name. Um. We got to see his face briefly. I think Mm -hmm. that if they're going to show us his face, part of me would like it would have been cool if they went a whole season without even seeing his face. But if you're going to do it, it was a pretty cool way to do it because we only see it briefly. It's not like some grand heroic reveal. It's mm-hmm. a moment of vulnerability and fear. Like he thinks he's dying, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, they even kept the whole... It would have felt... It would have been too bad if he'd like betrayed his Mandalorian oath by having another living person right, see right. it. So the fact that it's IG-11 that sees him yeah. is like, I oh, I'm no not a living thing. thing. But yeah. then later the Mandalorian kind of gets to like him a little bit and trust yeah. him more. So you kind of sense that like maybe he does eventually learn to think of him as a person. Yeah. And so maybe kind of he feels like he ultimately did betray his his code a little bit i think i don't know if they are writing it that deep i just think that he has affection for a droid who clearly has i think it would be cool if there was a moment in season two where someone again asks him like he got asked in this season you know have has anyone ever seen your face Uh. or whatever like that and he sort of quiet he sort of like quietly says yes one or something like that and we're like oh that's because he grew to respect ig11 and he considers him to be the one person that ever saw us you know what i mean yeah like i could see them maybe doing something like that it might be a little corny because it's not like they got super close they knew each other for 15 minutes in this episode and that was it but um maybe no one living will be his uh response but the, the (laughs) the opening stuff was really cool we start with like this um Rosencrantz and Guildenstern on speeder bikes, basically. <laughs> That's so good. With with the with the two two scout troopers who were talking about like Baby Yoda and target practice and how yeah. how like out of control their boss is. Yeah, it felt like something out of like a the an episode of The Office or something where everybody's just complaining about the management structure in the Empire so and how they don't they don't get paid very well and they don't their blasters don't work properly and their boss is just like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know pushing people out of, out of there left and right Just shooting them for interrupting sentences yeah, yeah. As, and that went on for like it felt like it went on for five minutes i'm sure it wasn't actually five minutes but it felt like it went on for a long time it was and a great we, scene we get the awesome sequence with ig11 riding his riding his mm-hmm. speeder bike and twisting around at weird angles and shooting everybody while carrying baby yoda we get the cool shootout um where everybody comes out of the bar they were pinned down we learn more about um Kara, is it now? Now my Cara brain is Dune. messed up. Is it Kara or Kara on this show? It's Kara, right? Kara Dune. Yeah. Um, we knew that she was part of the rebellion, but now we learn she's from Alderaan, which obviously explains why she has such a mad on for killing yeah. Imperials. Um, this is where we learn um, the Mandalorian's first name. We we learn and we see more fleshed out versions of his flashbacks here, mm-hmm. where we see mm-hmm. the, he discusses the droids it that killed his family, and we see the Mandalorians that came and saved him. We we see that they were part of Death Watch, yeah. which ties into the Clone Wars, and there's an even bigger like Clone Wars thing. Coming up at the end of the episode, um, there's oh, the yeah. co- there's the cool sequence where they they get away and they go through the sewers and they find the um, the what the would forger. you call it the weaponsmith the forger the forger um, of the Mandalorians and she's like the one person there and she's just gonna like stay there until she melts everything down mm-hmm. um, and saves the best. She's scavenging, yeah. She's scavenging what's what's scavengeable. She, she gives him. <laughs> she tells him that he's basically Baby Yoda's dad now mm-hmm. until he's either old enough to make the choice to live the Mandalorian way of life or not, or he can return him to his people, which yep. he doesn't know where that is. Mm-hmm. At the rate this kid is aging, <laughs> he better find the planet because <laughs> to reach the biological equivalent of 18 years old could take another 200 years for this kid. <laughs> yeah. um, and she gives him his signet or whatever, um, which is a mud yep. horn, because mm-hmm. at the time he didn't feel he deserved one because he was saved by another. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but when she learns here that he, that they stopped that- the Mudhorn together, that he wasn't rescued by an enemy, or he wasn't, you know, yeah. it wasn't a moment of weakness, but rather a moment of like shared mm-hmm. battle. Combat. Yeah. Um, she decide, decides that that should it what it should be mm-hmm. after all and puts it on and there. And not only that, but I mean, it's it's a it's a different spin on that story. It's somebody that he then saved. So not only that, but first he uh, was saved by Baby Yoda and then he saved the baby himself. So they saved each other, which means makes them family, which well, right. is why it, she's saying that's, cool that the story is redeemed. It ties into the whole Mandalorian right. ethos. Because when like he first, I know, but when he rescuing first... Rescuing like, the foundlings and also the, right. the camaraderie, the, the but brotherhood. But at the time when he re- refused the signet of the of the Mudhorn, it's because at that point, like he was just a job that he... The, uh, the baby was just a job that he's completed and that's it. But um, now he... He places a different value on now. That he's like role. an honorary and, Mandalorian. Yeah, exactly. The little the little tyke is is definitely an honorary Mandalorian on account of his dad being a Mando. So, <laughs> I I really like that moment too because all of the people in the room were like, okay, you know that signet really is yours. So here you go. Um, and I like that she just kind of had it there. It's almost as if she started forging it because I mean that design, that cast, yeah. that mold doesn't come out of that nowhere. That was a little quick. So yeah, so she must have already been constructing it at some point. Um, and and she says, you know, this is yours. This is a ca- um, you are now the house of two, which is great. Aww. <laughs> yeah, and they they get away. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a very slow. They're very slowly getting away. Done oh, done the right. lava flow. Well, I mean, you're complaining about the pacing, but to me, that, no, took, that worked so I just, much. I just, felt, I just felt it was like, we got to get out of here. I was like, do, do, do. It was moving like <laughs> one foot a second. I'm right. like, this is the slowest getaway. Like, if the it, 15 minutes later, if the stormtroopers came to the the, to the, the dock, yeah. they'd still be able to, they'd still only be 10 feet away. They could still shoot them. Um, <laughs> from the other side, from IG the starting ele- point. IG-11 yeah. decides that he needs to sacrifice himself to uh, kill the stormtroopers that are waiting on the other side of the Check exit. Check off self-destruct. Yeah. They mentioned it in the first episode in a very funny comedic way where yeah. he kept trying to blow himself up for every then, two seconds. Then they get out of there and Moff Gideon yeah. tries to blow them all up in his uh, TIE fighter, which seemed ill-advised because at this point, does he not? Does he think that yeah, Baby Yoda he, is, is a wash too tough to kill no. or does he not care if he kills him anymore? I, I, I don't know. That seemed a little strange. Or maybe he's just like super confident in his aim. Or something. Maybe. If he were, he would have hit the targets, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. Well, I Imperials. Are oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I know, but no. Kara actually said he missed that time. No, and next time he won't. She actually said that those were warning shots, and there was this smug expression oh, on no his face. Oh, no warning shots. You could, excuse. I know, but you could, you could kind of. Um, you know, snuggle it into the place that makes where yeah. it makes sense. I guess because he, I he guess does. He's the it's one not. We're not talking about imperial. Right. He's the one imperial that actually yeah. did hit what he was aiming at in the earlier multiple shoot. times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely, multiple times. I mean, you don't mess with this guy, and so, and that smug expression makes me think that he did miss deliberately. Like you can easily trick your brain into into thinking that no 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 this makes yeah, sense. Yeah, seems ill advised strategically. Like yeah. if if everything they've been through so far, what makes you think one more warning shot is gonna is gonna cause them to No, lay just down to their torment arms? him because he's a he's he's a cat with a quarry. You know, he's I guess. just he's he's borderline feral in his but, desire uh, to torture. But the Mandalorian gets his jetpack, which he was warned by the forger there would could could take a lifetime to master and he like puts it on, he's like, Oh I got it. I got it. this. 
Um, no, she says it, you have to practice. Your drills will begin soon, and you know, d- <laughs> apparently um, not. I that was his drill. He's super him, good. Him He's sort super of good at it. <laughs> he, flies he remembered up there. his Phoenix training. Apparently, he, he takes down the the Tie Fighter, and they, I, but not as easily. Like it wasn't a smooth, awesome no. action sequence. It was like he dropped one bomb and it blew up midair, and then yeah. He but that's one thing that that's the Indiana Jones thing that but everybody likes about this guy is that he right. always he always wins but he wins because he's like he's he's too he's scrappy he's he too tough and too dumb he to give up down. not because he's necessarily like the most skilled guy on the battlefield i he's wouldn't just, say too dumb i just think that he knows stubborn. that he can do it if he tries hard enough yeah he's, just, he's, <laughs> he's stubborn you know, he's yeah. just yeah he's stubborn and he won't give up yeah he has more grit than anybody else and that's what makes him so special yeah. because everybody else gives up a, throws in the towel a little sooner but not so, mandalorians in general and definitely not him because the, the tie fighter yeah he's just good the tie fighter crashes mm. everybody Assumes <laughs> assumes that I he's know. dead without checking the wreckage, which is I like, know. which is like movie one hundred and one. Yeah. Um, Mandalorian flies off with Baby Yoda to find his home, mm-hmm. and everybody else sort of disperses. But I think we, I think we know. I think it's been said that we're going to see, at the very least, Kara again next season. And I would assume grief as well. I think that those are probably going Sorry, to be recurring. Grief. Carl Weathers. Oh yeah. It's yeah. like three characters with names in that scene. He's I the only just... other guy left. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> And I'm, and presumably we're going to see. I can't remember his name. Pres- I just remember him as the uh, as the guy who gave Mando jobs. Right, because he's super racist. He's the he's the black guy. In ha, ha 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 ha. Um, and then uh, I think it's pretty obvious. I remember Moth Gideon. Did you say Moth Gideon or Moth Gideon? Moth Gideon. I've been saying it Moth, moth. this entire he's a time. Gra- he's a grand moth. I. <laughs> he I just, thought that's what it was. M O T H. He just moth. really likes wool. Um, <laughs> and lights and he, he really likes the, lights the moth, that's why the lightsaber the moths are known for two things blowing up planets and and really liking bright lights that's right um, <laughs> no it's moth moth M-O-F M-O-F-F M-O-F-F you read this, this, since 1977 <laughs> did you think it was Grand Moth Tarkin yes okay <laughs> I did alright I thought it was just a term you like I don't know alright Honey, one of the guys was named Count Dooku. What am I to judge? Well, listen, I'm not. I'm not here to defend Look. George Lucas's naming practices. What am I saying? Like moth could be some sort of venerable be, term on could, a different language. But it could be. It could be worse. I mean, moth is better than moth. <laughs> okay. I think we can agree on this. I, moth doesn't make any sense. At least moth has some. I don't know. <laughs> Why wouldn't you call yourself a moth? I mean, he's, you're a person of some importance. It just he's resilient. He's he can fly, but <laughs> right, easily distractible. Right, lives only a few days. It's all right there. <laughs> um, no, it's moth. Okay. Uh, so I think we can assume we're going to see um, we're going to see moth Gideon again next moth. season um, okay. because he's got the dark saber, which is the big reveal at the end of this episode. Um, if anyone doesn't know what the dark saber is, go watch. Seven seasons of Clone yeah. Wars and four seasons of Rebels. I mean, just the last two seasons of each will do. But, you know, yeah. But suffice it to say, it's this legendary Mandalorian weapon that goes back generations. Yeah. And was in possession of characters we've talked about before in the show. Sabine Ren and Bo-Katan mm-hmm. in Star Wars Rebels. And now this dude has it. Oh, don't forget, uh, it somehow has to lose the grasp of, 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 oh, Darth Maul. Because he had it while he was running. Well, right, but that's an untold story that we're going to see in uh, the, the new Dawn. the new season of Star War, of uh, Clone Wars that we're getting on Disney Plus. But that that's it's it's been said and like it's been established in books and comics and stuff that that were published when nobody thought we would get more episodes of Clone Wars. That, Funny that when he was driven off of Mandalore by the combined forces of you know the Mandalorians and the Jedi and the clones and everything that he took it with him and I guess he he ended up right he took it with him but he did start Crimson Dawn because the last time we saw it was 
in the final scene where um, in in a Star Wars story, the uh, Han Solo movie. Right, but he didn't have it there. Yes, the, he did. No, he, he lit fired it up. No, that was his regular lightsaber. Oh. That was his red light per- lightsaber that was he it? was using in the Rebels episodes. Oh. Now, the last time we saw it in his possession was yeah, you're right. We never in, saw no, it in was, live was, action. It was in the rebel. It was in the uh, Rebels episodes where he lost possession of it, and Sabine got it, and then it went from her to Bo-Katan in the final season, and then presumably during the Great Purge, where it looks like pretty much all Mandalorians were wiped out yeah. by the Imperials, that this guy picked it up as like spoils of war and keeps it as like his own personal trophy, basically. Ugh. So. I think that the fact that the Darksaber is in this episode is the biggest indication that we could have possibly gotten that we're going to delve more into the the recent history of the Mandalorians, characters like Sabine and Bo-Katan mm-hmm. and the broader political plight of the Mandalorians next season, that this show is not just going to be about this one Mandalorian and his adventures. They, you introduce the Darksaber and that's a signal to the longtime fans that you're going to start to answer some of the questions about what happened to the Mandalorians, what happened to Bo-Katan, stuff like that. So I think that we're going to see the story expand. Like we talked about before about do, would we want the show to be just him going on the gritty bounty hunting adventures or would we want the show to become bigger and bigger in scope and he ultimately becomes like the new savior and leader of the Mandalorian race and ushers them into the like do we necessarily want him to be the chosen one of the Mandalorians and be like you know what I mean the Luke Skywalker Mm -hmm. of the Mandalorians that would maybe seem a little cliched but I think we're not necessarily going to get that but I think we are going to introduce more and more of the broader picture of the Mandalorians instead of just sort of teasing what happened to them Mm-hmm. In this, like they did in this first season, so I think the odds of of uh, of uh, Katie Sackhoff or um, what's the name of the actress who played uh, Sabine? Oh, who was also um, on the Good Place. Oh my gosh! Oh no! I almost Tia Sirkar. Tia, Tia Sirkar. One one or both of them showing up next season. I'd have to do the math and figure out like whether their ages are anything like what the actresses' ages are. I think they're both in the ballpark of what they should be. So they could they could do that if they wanted to. I think right. that would definitely be really cool. Because um, this is only a few years after the original trilogy, yeah, um, and thus only a few years after we last saw Sabine in Rebels. All of them. I would love to see all of them in um, in live action. That would just be there, so great. There was there was an article I saw today that said that the second season of The Mandalorian is set to include recognizable characters from other Star Wars live action stuff. But that that live said action? like live action, so yeah. hmm. that makes me think that maybe characters from the movies will show up like like maybe some minor characters from the original trilogy like i don't know like mon mothma shows up or so or akbar how do you spell mothma <laughs> that one is spelled mothma it's not uh, mothma okay <laughs> mothma <laughs> i just want to make sure you've disrupted my calibrated right. my so you've got you've got grand brain. moth tarkin yeah you've got mon mothma yeah you've got mothra <laughs> <laughs> right Gorgita. you've got muffins okay these are all separate don't things. forget the muffet somebody is sitting on that damn tough right you've i got know it. muppets okay you've got mops <laughs> you've got mops you got mop tops okay um these are all distinct things and top knots and top knots yeah okay top gun tom okay. and jerry mm-hmm. gerrymandering mm-hmm. jerry seinfeld wake up people gerrymandering okay it's all right there i know <gasps> My eyes. I'm so woke right now. Wow. <laughs> Ma- Mandalorian confirmed for confirmed for Trump. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. No, but he's like a, he's like a refugee, so he he should be like in a cage somewhere or something, right? <sighs> yeah. That's how that should work. Oh Jesus. Um, 
Yeah. So Mandalorian <laughs> season two, <laughs> the event is the, the the moth the moth saga uh, to continue next this fall on Disney Plus. Okay. All moths all the time. Same moth time. Same moth channel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pay, pay your. Moth, pay, your seven, pay, pay your moth ninety nine a month. Moth ninety nine. Get all the moths you can moth. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so definitely really good. Yeah, it's um, a really. I feel like show. the I feel like the the show sort of had a bit of a saggy middle kind of thing where I felt like the strongest episodes were the first few. I think it's and the set last up, couple. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, they had the whole seven samurai things. Uh, that one I liked. It was mostly just the the space the space breakout um, on the prison ship. Okay, yeah, that and, one didn't really go. And anywhere. the. Um, what was the other one people weren't crazy about? The the one with Ming Na. Oh, those those I think people felt like a little too thing. predictable. The one where the they numbers, went yeah. back to Tatooine. But but six out of eight. I liked it. Yeah, I'd say like four or five out of eight were like fantastic. Another one or two were really good, and then there were a couple that were just like okay. That's still pretty good. But even for the a first okay season. ones really made me happy. Yeah, they, they were, were still really good. enjoyable. But yeah, yeah. But that's still really good for. I mean, first season of any show. Folks can find a reason not to like a thing if they want to. I mean, as one star, too many moths. Yeah. Not enough moths. We're not enough moths. Ooh. The moth ratio was not mm-hmm. perfect. I'm just going to get some moth balls. All right. Okay. Moth. Moth. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yes. So, if you want to reach out to us, uh, we have an email address. Mailbag bag at... <laughs> mailbag at smartspodcast.com yeah we're gonna get a lot of emails today um it, let's see it, on twitter we are at smartspodcast it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast and our website is www.smartspodcast.com how about a funny sound for us moth very good 